0: Batesy and Mark, are you guys going to come together or one at a time? Okay, take team. Father, we just pray for your word this morning as it comes through Bates and Mark, and we just ask, Lord God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come through them, God, to open up the scriptures. Would you open the eyes of our hearts to see what you'd speak to us this morning, God, and give us faith to lay hold of it, to grasp it, and to put it into practice in our lives. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Lights on. Great. I thought I was going to be preaching here in a dark cave. (laughs) We're grateful for some light in a massive school hall. The last time I preached, we were still upstairs, so this is a whole other experience. Um, Yeah, and just again, just a word to all the fathers. Honor you guys, and um, praise God that we have the perfect father. We don't have to try and make it up ourselves. We can just follow him. Yeah. So this morning, um, myself and Mark are going to be preaching. Mark's one of my good friends, and super excited to be doing another tag team style. If you were here last time I preached, we also did that. But how exciting to have an opportunity to see some some young guys among us coming and sharing the word of God with us. Um, And the beauty is that age is not a factor for God, right? He can speak through any vessel that would be open to be used by Him. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning, and thank you for everyone who sits here under uh, the sound of your word, Lord Jesus. I pray that it would really pierce our hearts, Lord, uh, for good, and bring healing and hope and joy and encouragement in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So my name's Bates. I'm on uh, the eldership team. My wife was up front here with our two little kiddos. Uh, They're out at kids' church and uh, having fun in the mom's room, I'm sure. Hello, moms watching on the TV. We love you guys. Um, Yeah, so I want to start with a bit of a story this morning. Last weekend, I wasn't here. I must confess. um, Hardly any of you noticed, I'm sure. Um, I was out in the Karoo, and the Karoo is looking where we were, is looking stunning. I've had quite a lot of rain recently. If you know the Karoo, it can be pretty dire and, and um, Karoo-like, desert-like. And it's just green and beautiful. And whenever we're out in the Karoo, I was there with my dad, I'm trying to make the most of all the time I get with him, and with my brother. Whenever we're out in the Karoo, the old stories, family stories and jokes always come out because the Ollite line has many, many pastors, or dominies actually, who are dominies in the Engierkark at different places around the Karoo over the, over the years. And so this is a risk as a preacher, but I'm going to tell a joke to start this morning, so to be gracious with me. And it's just one of my favorite jokes that we share whenever we drive through the Karoo, and my opa always used to tell it to us, opa Billy. And um, it's about a—anyway, uh, let me tell you the joke— so dad and mom uh, have been going to church they're out there in the Karoo, and uh, they're getting a little bit suspicious that their little pity is uh, sneaking out of church on Sundays and going and playing in the yard, and he's not actually sitting in and listening, right? So they don't have hard evidence, but they've got a, they're have got they sniffing a rat. And so they decide to uh, to check it out, so they're driving home after church one afternoon. And um, they, this is obviously originally told in Afrikaans, and I think a little bit better in Afrikaans, but I'll, I'll tell it in English. Um, so they're driving home, and uh, they say, so Piti, how did you find church today? And he said, no, no, it was great. Eh? And they say, so, um, so what did the pastor preach about? Quick as a flash, Piti says, no, Sin. And they said, "Okay, well, w- and what, is he, what does he say about sin? No, he's, he's against it." <laughs> <laughs> so, sharp little pity. Well done. In Afrikaans is a bit sharp, and yeah, it's not the end. Anyway, so um, that's how's that relevant? Not terribly relevant, but it was just a good joke. And we were in the Karoo, and what is a bit more relevant is that we were doing our annual harvest of free-range game meat in the Karoo, and which was a lot of fun. Um, we often do it from the back of buckies, and they're rather far away, and so for you, those of you who enter this kind of thing, um, you know, uh, pursuing your own meats, not just going to the store, but actually, you know, being like our ancestors, I'm sure they didn't have high powered rifles, but anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm making a silly joke of hunting. Anyway, we were hunting, uh, my dad and my brother and I, on the back of the Bucky. and um, those of you who know or do this kind of thing, you'll know a springbok Further than 200 meters away, it's actually not a very big animal, and they're also seriously skittish. <laughs> and so once the guy's are on the bucky, when you stop, you've got like four seconds while that thing stands, and then it's gone to, to pull off a shot, otherwise you, you uh, miss the opportunity. And, um, and so we were driving, and we had quite a lot of opportunities cause the, the, because they felt so green. There's a lot of buck, um, and um, we missed many of them, let me just say that. Fortunately, we did get a few as well. I will be sharing Biltong in a few weeks' time, don't worry. Um, And I'm going to get back to that story in just a moment. But what we did do, and what you need to remember, is we missed uh, many opportunities, but we also took some. And so... uh, How does that apply to this morning? Well, we'll see in a moment, and it's going to kind of uh, set the tone and set the title for this morning's sermon. But we find ourselves um, almost at the end of part three of our Ephesians series, Uh, part three of it's called Walk This Way Into Holy Living, or... um That was the full title, but Walk This Way. And we've got one more sermon next week, which Nathan will share in this series. And then we've got two other mini-series coming up later in the year and maybe at the beginning of next year. We're not sure. So we're almost done with this one. And kind of what's the big idea been uh, in this part of the series, Walk This Way? We're saying, hey, if you're a Christ follower, this is who you are. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians tell us who we are. We're saying, as a Christ follower, then this is how we live. And in this series, we've been kind of double-clicking on this is how we live as Christ followers. And so we'll do that again this morning. And uh, from the story up front, you will—you uh, might have picked up that the title of our uh, sermon this morning is Make the Most of Every Opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Plus, I just wanted to put in a career joke and tell about a really amazing hunting trip. So, um, but that's the title of our sermon this morning. And um, You'll see it does actually come from the text, so we haven't actually made that up. And hopefully it is useful and memorable for the, for the sake of this morning. And so, yeah, the, the hunting example is a bit of a silly one, right? That's kind of unimportant stuff. It's temporary. Um, it's not stuff that's that important. But we each get loads of opportunities in our day, every li- uh, in our life, every day. I think of uh, some sort of more frivolous ones. Maybe you, you, you like buying the latest uh, stuff or rather, you know, clothes when they're on sale. And, you know, maybe you pop down to the store and you saw the sale and you went home and decided about it. And then you get back to the store the next day and the sale's finished. Does that happen to anyone, no longer on. Okay, a few heads nodding in the room. Missed that opportunity. Fortunately, that one will come around again probably next week, depending how good the marketing of the company is. And, um, but there's obviously more serious opportunities that we missed, right? When you want to, wanted to give someone something, you saw a person in need, you walked past, and you kind of had this inclination that you should perhaps give, even if it's just a word or a, or a smile or, or something more valuable, and you, and you missed the opportunity, and when you reflect on it later on in the day there 's a bit of maybe frustration and regret, maybe a bit of disappointment that we experience all that opportunity at work that came up and it seemed like a great opportunity and As you take a moment to think about it, you come back the next day and someone else has grabbed the opportunity and run with it, and you 've missed that opportunity i don 't know if any of that 's happened to to any of us in the work setting or, or maybe some other scenario. Uh, And I can think of a few times where there's, many times where there's been the scenario where I've really wanted to say something to someone, knowing I just need to, I need to say something, something hopefully a little valuable or important, and and a missed opportunity. And so this happens, I think, in many of our lives, and um, the wonderful thing is most of these opportunities will come around again. And so even if we miss them for the first time, we'll get another opportunity, another opportunity. And often, you know, up to 10, 15, I don't know, we get lots of opportunities, even if we miss them the first time. But it's funny in life, because it seems like the big opportunities, the, the important ones, they don't come around all that often. And we really, we really don't want don't to miss those. And when we do, we get this feeling of frustration, we get this feeling of kind of disappointment with ourselves, and we get this feeling of, I think, if we're honest, deep down, kind of regret of not taking that opportunity and making the most of it, whatever it may be, and I'm sure there's a bunch running through our minds right now. And so the question is, why do we get this feeling of frustration? Why do we get this feeling of regret when we miss an opportunity? And my friend Mark's got a great analogy that we were quickly going to show you as to why that might be the case. So I've got a really nice long piece of string here. Well, oh, it's not string. What is this even? Twine, tie-down stuff. I'm going to need some people to help me here. Can you take that end? I can walk around the side there and maybe give to Stefan in that corner and to that corner and kind of like just pass it along. Okay, we planned this one. We've prepared it very well, as you can tell. Okay, can you go all the way around there? Okay, so this piece of rope um, illustrates, it's a timeline, a really long, skewed timeline. If you like straight lines, this is is not for you. And this illustrates a timeline, a timeline of a very, 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 very long time. In fact, of eternity. Of course, as we know, eternity is infinite, so... Um, but we thought we'd just use the string to kind of demonstrate it. Keep going, bro. Keep going. You can actually just walk outside with a string mark out to the gate there, bro. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, so we've got this really, really, really long piece of rope. And all the way at the end there, it kind of actually never really ends. But this is a, a timeline, right? Somewhere over here, there's a little knot... We don't know when this moment is going to happen, but at this point, not here, Jesus is going to come back for the second time, right? He's going to wrap up this age and usher us into eternity. And then somewhere over here, you can't really see it, but I tied a really, really small knot. And that's our lives. And on that knot, there's this tiny dot. You won't be able to see it, but I can see it. And that's today, this moment. And if we picture our lives in the context of eternity, we don't have very long, right? And the crazy thing is stuff that happens on this little dot and on this little knot can have eternal impact, eternal consequence and ramifications. And so that little feeling of regret or disappointment or whatever it is, when you miss an opportunity in this dot, is because we know that we know that we know that stuff that we do here, opportunities that we take, moments of obedience when God prompts, can literally have eternal consequence in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And so that's what we realize when you miss these opportunities. And deep down, we all know it. If we miss them, we're like, ah, oh, shucks. But God's gracious, and he often brings those opportunities again, right? And then we can make the most of them. But they can literally have an eternal effect, which is amazing. Thanks, Marky. That's a great illustration. Hopefully that's something you'll remember from this morning. <laughs> And so this morning, our title is Make the Most of Every Opportunity, and we are going to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 to 17. You can turn there if you'd like. We're going to be using the New International Version. And this morning, uh, Paul, the author of that scripture, is going to be showing us, or at least instructing us in a time-proven way to make, help us get better and better at making the most of every opportunity that God puts before us. So that's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 13 through 17. I can we come read that? Here we go.
0: Brilliant. Morning, everyone. Um, so yeah, verse 13 says, But everything exposed to the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, awesome.
1: So, a quick summary of that scripture up top there, verse 13. It basically says, live as light. Christians, writing to Christians, remember? we um, Lex preached beautifully last week, kind of taking the first part of that chapter. And it basically says, Christians, live as light in a dark and evil world. How do we do that? We be wise. How do we be wise? We know the Lord's will. So live as light in a dark world. Be wise. And you be wise by knowing the Lord's will. So verse 13, I just want to read that for us again, 13 and 14. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul here is quoting a Christian hymn of the time, so it's something they would have sung um, as brothers and sisters in the faith of the time to encourage themselves. And what Paul's basically saying is that when the light of Christ is in us, When we start to live like him, we shine. And he fuels us to shine his light in a dark and evil world. And why is the light so evident and why is it so needed? Because, as he goes on to say a little bit later, we live in a dark world. We live in an evil world, a world that is broken, that is full of sin, shame, shame pain, brokenness, injustice, and all these things. And we know that, right? We just look around us. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, it seems. (laughs) God's word is as relevant then as it is now. We live in an evil and dark world. And so when we shine as Christ followers, the light of Christ, when we live like him, because we're full of him, it's obvious, it's clear to see I remember just a few years back hiking up and sleeping on the top of uh, one of the Helderberg mountains there, Uh, and then we woke up in the morning uh, early before the sun rose, and you look down, and you just see like the whole kind of town is dark, but all the little lights, the street lights, the house lights that are up at that time are so clear to see, so, so obvious to see. In the darkness, you can't see anything, but you can see the light, and that's what Paul is exhorting us as Christians to do, to be light, to shine light in a broken world so that the sleepers, that's all those who are not alive in Christ, those who are spiritually dead, can wake up and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on them. I kind of get this picture of a a lamp analogy. Quickly gonna light it here. It's a little paraffin lamp. I don't know if this is allowed by the fire rules, but I'll be quick. (laughs) Okay, nobody tell. And I get this picture of a, oopsie, there it goes out. Hopefully that doesn't happen to us. (laughs) (laughs) Snuffed out. Okay, there we go. So I get this picture of a... Oh, gosh. Okay. We're just going to have to use the picture. Of an oil... <laughs> oh, you plan these things. They don't always work. Of an oil lamp in a dark room. And I specifically as Mark and I were, were preparing for this week, I got this picture of almost walking into a room, a little like four-by-four-meter dark room, and there's somebody sleeping on the bed. And we've been given this oil lamp, and it's the light of Christ in us. And as we walk in, and it's a lamp like this, it's not a bright, offensive lamp like a spotlight, but it's this beautiful, dull, warm glow that lights up the room. And what was once dark can now be seen. And almost, I get this picture of us walking in as Christ follows into the room, and that sleeping person representing those who are not in Christ, those who are still asleep in death. And it's almost just like gently shaking that person on the bed. And as their eyes open, it doesn't open to this offensive blinding light, but to being able to truly see what they once maybe couldn't see. A room around them that was once dark is now light and visible because Christ is shining. And I almost get this picture of Paul encouraging us in that way in this, in this scripture. He's just saying, shine a light of Christ. It is beautiful, it is warm, and that which was once not seen is now visible because of the light of Christ. And so the encouragement to us as Christians is just be fueled by Christ and carry our light wherever we're going. Live as those who are ones full of the light of Christ. So the question is that's lovely, thank you, Paul, for encouraging us to do that, but how do we do that, right? So I don't know about you, but I'm always like, I love, that's a great idea and principle I'm with you, but please show me, please tell me how. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit, myself and Mark, and I'll start off. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live. This talks about a lot of intentionality in the way we live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We all have the opportunity as Christ followers to ongoingly shine his light into many sleeping lives in our dark and evil world that's around us. And we can do that in many ways, right? But in the scripture here, Paul's kind of exhorting us in one primary way, and I think it's because it's just so obvious this way to a world that's around us. He's saying, Live wisely, live with godly wisdom. And I think to each of us it's quite obvious when something is done in a foolish manner and when it's done in a wise manner. When we're wise, we shine brightly in a foolish world. And just a note there, this kind of wisdom is full of humility and full of grace. It's not an arrogance. It's not a look at me, it's a, it's a look at him. And so that kind of living is beautiful and it's beautiful fragrance to those Around us. A few notes on uh, godly wisdom. Here we go. There's just four of them very quickly. God's wisdom is a firm foundation for our lives. A wise man built his house upon the rock. Matthew 7 24 through through, uh, 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. So God's wisdom is a firm foundation, unchanging, secure, firm unchanging through the ages. I think I said that. God's wisdom is a firm foundation for our lives. Point two, God's wisdom is often different from the world's wisdom. A great example of this in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Um, Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 45, says this, but you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? Jesus says, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's totally counter our world and our context's logic and thinking and wisdom, right? Because the wisdom of God is others-focused. It's Him-focused. It's not self-preserving. It's God-honoring and glorifying. So God's wisdom is often different from the world's wisdom, from the kind of conventional wisdom of the day. Third point, God's wisdom... Uh, He gives it to his children who ask. Um, I must say, as an elder and on the eldership team, we pray this prayer often. Lord, would you give us your wisdom in this situation? Would you pour out your wisdom on how we are to go forward? The the Word of God, the Bible, is not exhaustive in covering every single opportunity and decision we're going to have to make in our lives, right? So he guides and he teaches and he he leads us through his words so that we would know him and we'd know how he works, that is God, so that we can work the way he works with all the different decisions and opportunities that we have in front of us. So that's, um, yeah. God gives his wisdom to his children who ask for it, and He gives it generously, which is just incredible. And then the last quick point there is that God's wisdom is full of good things, and I just have to read James chapter three, verse 17. God's wisdom is full of good things. In other words, it's obvious when it's His wisdom. There's certain characteristics that come out. Uh, James 3:17, "But the wisdom from above from God is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Oh man, it's beautiful. We know when someone is walking in the wisdom of God, whether they're just doing their own thing or just listening to the the kind of conventional wisdom of the day. Wisdom is applied through decisions we make daily. If you think of it, in each of our daily lives, every decision we make, and we get lots of decisions we get to make every day. I think there was some other study that said there's something like, what, was it 450 or... 700 decisions or something we have to make every day in varying sizes. Just a lot, in other words. But every decision we get to make, either big or small, can either be made wisely or foolishly. And the decisions that we get to make, the opportunities that we have, are the opportunities to apply wisdom or not. And so that's often the vehicle through which we get to express and display Wisdom is through the different small and big decisions that we get to make every day. Someone once said, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? <laughs> I know there's a lot on this, but this is my favorite one. So and knowledge is knowing that an avo is fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. I think that's a good one, eh? I'm the only one who found that funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so, uh, yeah, and the truth here is that we know that it's super important to acquire knowledge. We need knowledge, and we're in the West. We're a hungry people for knowledge and content. I mean, think of the web. It's just full of content upon content. You can get every bit of knowledge you want. But the truth is that knowledge is pretty useless. In fact, it can even be harmful to us if it's not applied well into our lives. And so that's wisdom. Well-applied knowledge into our lives. That's wisdom. And what is godly wisdom? Well, it's the knowledge of God and His will applied well into our lives. That's how we then live in a way that honors God and glorifies Him and is good for us. And so you may be sitting here thinking, gee, man, this feels like a a big ask, like I'm just me and I've got all my stuff and made a bunch of decisions in my life, many some which I regret, some which I'm grateful for and God will meet us exactly where we're at but the real incredible thing as a cross follower, the unfair advantage that we have is that we have access to the one who is wisdom himself, he is the source of all wisdom and he just says come ask me, come read my word, come be with my people and you can be have the biggest unfair advantage in life because I can give you something that this world cannot give you. I can give you wisdom that is from above, that is life-changing, world-changing, future-changing, and massively, massively impactful. We've only got the small little piece of that string, right? And when God's wisdom comes in there and is applied, it can literally change ours and other people's eternal trajectory. It's that incredible. And he says, hey, come to me, ask. It's available. Thank you, Jesus, for your wisdom. And when we understand and apply God's wisdom, we really do shine brightly in a dark and evil world, like the scripture says. And we we shine on that sleeper, and we say, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. And Paul is exhorting us in the scripture to say, shine in this world. Live wisely. Shine the light of Christ. Live in a way that is beautiful for those who watch. And when you do that, you will make the most of every opportunity that God puts before you. You will not miss those opportunities. We'll get better and better at making the most of every opportunity that God puts in front of us. Okay, I'm going to hand over to Marky, He's going to unpack some of the practical ways that we can grow in godly wisdom.
0: Brilliant. Thanks for having me here, guys. It's nice to, nice to be here. Um, so I thought Father's Day I'd start with a bit of a story about my dad. Um, so I was studying at Sillenbos, and we had our orientation week. And so we packed out this one hall, all the kids, all their mums and dads, all of that. And then the big dogs of the sports department came and spoke to us. Um, they came and said, oh, this is what the program looks like, and this is how it goes. And um, they finish up, and I'm sitting between my mom and dad, and I look to my mom, and before we even know it, my dad has zipped to the front of the, the hall, and he's greeting and introducing himself to the biggest fish that was there. Um, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm Mark's dad, and I uh, introduced him and introduced me, and he, he got me this cool opportunity, and that big fish is now my co-supervisor for my research, And um, my dad, being a good dad, wanted to give me as many opportunities as possible. And um, our God, he's an even better dad, wants to give us immeasurably more and incredibly more opportunities. So I got this cool opportunity to come and study here in Selys, where your three years, when you look back on it, feels like three weeks, three days, three hours even. Um, And in that big opportunity was lots of little opportunities, little people to meet, little people to engage with, little people to chat with, and um, I wanted to make the most of these opportunities to shine this light in a friendly way on these people's faces. Um, my first three years is an exercise course on what not to do. Um, my internal person pleaser, say yes... Um, got me doing everything and anything. And, yeah, I was literally running around. And so with that, I actually didn't have the time to maximize and shine my light for long enough for these guys to wake up to this light. It was just super quick. Okay, now I'm onto to this next person. Okay, I'm on to this next person. And so I was, I was totally missing the chance to shine this lantern around. Um, so what changed... We got an awesome break of COVID. I got to go home because I was worn out. I was over-engaged. I was doing everything wrong. And um, there I reflected on a, a story I once heard. So there's an old man and a young man. And every day they go to the forest and they cut their trees. The young man gets there, nine o'clock sharp, brings out his axe, and he starts hacking away at these trees. The old man rocks up after his coffee, quarter past nine, half past nine. Cut some trees, sits down, has a break, cut some more trees, sits down, has a break. And then at the end of the day, they have to walk to the foreman and be like, Look, we I cut this many. And the young man proudly goes up there and says, I cut twenty-eight trees. The old man walks up slowly afterwards and says, Yeah, today I got thirty-five. The young man looks at him like, How on earth did you do that? Anyways, the next day the young man is back and he's back there quarter to nine. He's working hard, works tirelessly until five. Old man rocks up after his coffee, has a, cuts a few, sits down, cuts a few, sits down. And then the young man proudly says, I cut 32 trees today to the foreman. And the old man says, Yep, I, I got my 35. And the young man turns to him and he's like, How on earth did you do that? Then he said, Well, well you were slaving away. I was having a break. I was cutting, I was, um, sorry, I was sharpening my axe drinking some coffee, having a quick snack. And so when I was striking my trees, I was much more effective than you were. And so for me, I need to work out, okay, how can I sharpen my axe to be more effective with these cool opportunities that I get in stellies? And so I started engaging in prayer. I started being like, Yo, God, how am I supposed to sharpen my axe? How am I supposed to be more and more effective? And he reminded me about the Bible which he's given us, which is his manual for life, manual for making the most of your opportunities, manual for living a life in his will, in his purposes, and so I I started getting stuck in there, you know, I was like, yo, I want to learn all about this, I want to understand this, and I really felt like he put Proverbs 3 deeply on my heart, and it's all about godly wisdom, and using your time wisely, and um, so now I feel like I'm seeking God's wisdom. I'm seeking him to sharpen my axe, to be more effective. I'm not rushing around aimlessly, getting there at, at quarter to nine and bashing out as many trees as I could until I've got blisters. Instead, I'm taking my time, getting stuck in his word and my breaks, sharpening up my axe um, and making sure that I'm eating so I'm feeling strong and feeling able to be more effective with those guys and able to hold my light, which God has given me and shining through me on my friends' faces for long enough for them to wake up as the rising sleepers. Um, And so my challenge for you guys for this week is I want to really encourage you to get stuck in in Proverbs chapter 3 and to read it this week and almost to bring your situations in your life where you need godly wisdom, bring it before God and see where God may use what's in that awesome chapter to influence, give you insight, give you... Uh, give you a picture, give you some future foretelling, because we have an unfair advantage as Christ followers. We have a God who knows everything, who planned everything, and he is speaking to us. Would you believe it? He's speaking to us, telling us how to be effective, how to be powerful, how to shine your light well. We just need to listen. Cool. Thank you.
1: Amen. Yeah, thanks, Marky. I love that, eh? So just the Word of God in your life, bringing wisdom into every situation. Proverbs chapter 3. Excited to read that this week and dive into that. I want to read the Scripture one more time, and then I'm going to ask us to stand. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Think of that um, little uh, lamp. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Christians, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. One hope is making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is through his scriptures, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit speaking to us, through those he's put around us, like our our, um, community of faith, those around us. One Hopers. Let's stand together as we close this morning. Just imagining us as, even just as One Hopers, living wisely in our everyday lives, making God-honoring decisions in everything that we do, living in such a way that it's, it's a bright light in a dark world. How beautiful, how beautiful would that be? And how many sleepers, those who are maybe here this morning who aren't, maybe watching online or involved in our lives, how many as we live wisely would see that light and lean in and desire to rise from the dead and have the light of Christ shine into their lives? He's done that for you if you're a Christ follower here this morning. He's done it for us. Christ is coming, not because we're amazing, but because he's incredible and shone into our lives and woken us up from spiritual death and given us spiritual life. He is incredible because of his life, death, and resurrection. So I want to encourage us as One Hope is here this morning, or if you're visiting this morning, to really invite the Holy Spirit to help you become truly wise, to live as a wise one in this dark world, and to make the most of every opportunity that God puts before you. So let's pray together as we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us even now with the wisdom of God so we can live for him as lights in this world and make the most of every opportunity. Thank you, Father, for everyone uh, in this room. Thank you for your scripture to us this morning saying, live as lights in a dark world. That those who are sleeping may see this bright light and wake up and then for the first time truly see and be filled with the same life that we experience in you, Christ. Thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And we just invite you now, in Holy Spirit, to fill each one of us, to lead each one of us into all wisdom, God. That we would be, as the scripture says, those who live as wise, wisely and not as fools. Those who know your will and make the most of every opportunity you put before us, Lord. We just invite you in our spirit to come and move in us and do that, Lord. Fill us with your wisdom, God. As James 1.5 says, you give generously to your children who ask your wisdom. So do that even now, Lord.